Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. With me is Ellie Mistal. I'm drinking a milkshake. You are drinking a milkshake. I'm, I'm, you know, I would be more tempted, although I'm trying to have a little less sugar right now. It's like above 33 degrees for the first time in six months. I'm drinking a milkshake. Oh, I tweeted that the other day. Uh, yesterday, uh, I saw an ice cream truck on the street, and I was like, bold move, New York. <laughs> bold move. It's time. Yeah, I don't know as though yesterday was really time. Tomorrow, though, should be. Um, should be very warm tomorrow, they oh, really? say. Like 62 yes. or something like that? Yes. Yeah. In part because of my milkshake, I'm not super angry about anything oh, today. Oh, that's good. But really, it's that I kind of want to get into the heart of our show, which is what I'm furious about. Which so I you're, assume... you're furious about the main subject of our show? I believe I, I am. Oh, interesting. So you don't want to you don't want to waste any time, you know, and you're gonna jump right in. But sometimes you do have other commitments and aren't able to do things right when you want to do them. And that's the reason why you might wonder if you're missing calls, if you're spread too thin, and interruptions kill your productivity, but clients demand a quick response. The US-based professional receptionists at Smith AI can help law firms screen new clients and schedule appointments by phone and website chat. Plus- It's amazing. Yeah, plus, thank you, I, I thought so. Yeah, plus Smith AI integrates with your software, including Clio and LawPay. Plans start at just $60 a month. Get a free trial at smith.ai. I'm really working on it as a, um, like I'm taking a lot of cues from like how Mark Marin pulls this off. Like he's constantly jumping in his podcast into new ads, and I'm, so I'm trying to be as as seamless as I can. No, that was really impressive. Yeah, yeah like, even you, I you. didn't know what, what I was you were about doing to do. Yeah, as it was happening. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. So uh, you are very upset about the thing you're very upset about, and so let's make that the whole topic. Let's I go. Mean, are are you not upset about the college admission scandal? I am upset about that, although I didn't know that was where we were going, but let's do that. Where else will we go today? I mean, I don't know. Like, it, we, we go on tangents sometimes, but yes, for those who aren't tracking, and I don't know who like, that Are be. you under a rock if you haven't seen this story? Yes, there was According a... According to our traffic, you are literally under a rock with no computer if you listen to this podcast but haven't read this story. Yes. Uh, so, uh, the other day, uh, federal prosecutors released a massive, massive indictment where they went after upwards of 50 defendants who were all involved in doing unsavory things to get their kids into the colleges of their choice. Things that included but were not limited to pretending they were actually NCAA quality athletes or paying people to take the tests for them or cheating to get extra time on the tests. Yes. All situations that as far as anybody in this indictment can show, the children were blissfully unaware of. A lot of the narrative in the media has been about the high-profile people that have been caught. So um, Felicity Huffman has been brought up. She did this for her child, apparently. Another actress, Lori Loughlin, um, she's involved in this. But they're also kind of like superstars within various industries. On Above the Law, the co-chair of Wilkie Farr and Gallagher. Mm -hmm. um, he has been uh, – he's part of the indictment. He had the most euphemistic leave of absence – 
uh, memo uh, coming out of Wilkie over over this. Their hedge funds managers, David Hodge, the hedge fund manager. There are um, other lawyers. So there, uh, yeah. there are a lot of they're all rich, right? But there also are a lot of high profile people in specific industries that were caught up in this, mm-hmm. which begs the question. And let's start here. What is wrong with these rich people that they didn't do the things that rich people usually do to get their kids into college, that they had to actually go towards criminal racketeering? Uh, if you're interested in me going the kind of full full communist route here, uh, I think what this really sets up is, I believe it was Chris Rock who has a routine where he talks about the difference between being rich and wealthy. It's like, Shaq's rich. The guy signing his checks, he's wealthy. Uh, that That is a big difference. If you are, I don't know, the sort of person that maybe a Fred Trump was, you can like build a building, it, put your name on it, and then your kids get into the school. Uh, the Mr. Burns building Yale and International Airport to get Larry in. These sorts of situations. <laughs> that's something that the 0.001% can do. But the 1%, hey, that's just not rich enough anymore. Uh Felicity Huffman has money, but she doesn't have international airport money. And that's the kind of money that means you are in a boat where if your children are not quite up to snuff to get into these schools the old-fashioned way, you have to do things that are not uh, legal. And it's unfortunate that it is legal to – I mean, a good example over here, we're we're right next to NYU Law School. Uh, It has a – in my day, we had a – Golding Lounge, but with there's a new building, like there's now a Kushner Lounge. That might have something to do with certain families who have a lot of money that can allow their fail sons to rise up the up the ladder. But that's something that the super wealthy can do and the regular wealthy can't. And it kind of highlights that gap. So Charles Kushner can buy Harvard off sufficiently yeah. to get Jared into Harvard. But mm-hmm. Felicity Huffman cannot buy USC off. You know, that she can't donate the Felicity Huffman black box at USC. So she's got to find some other ways of getting her daughter into school. Other ways that, again, do not include her daughter like working hard and studying for the LSAT. You and I have a mutual friend who is an LSAT tutor and one of his... SAT tutor. Who's an SAT tutor. Yeah, I mean, he also does LSAT, but like the the more relevant to this question. And one of of his posts on Facebook, and he he doesn't all... he's he's, He's an irascible guy sometimes, but one of his posts on Facebook I thought was exactly on point. He said, Dear rich parents, I can pretty much guarantee your child a 1450 or better on the SAT, and I don't charge six figures. Yeah. Like, and... And he said, the only thing is that your child might actually learn something. Right. Right. Like, that's how the wealthy people are supposed to. So you're kind of, you went full hog into like, you just donate a building and get your kid in school. Right. And that that's a problem that we allow that and not, uh, you know. But the way wealthy people really are supposed to leverage their money legally to get their kids into school is to be able to pay for the private tutor and all the prep courses and all the books and all of the experiences and all of the things that that a wealthy child has baked into their privilege to get into these schools. Like that's how they're supposed to leverage their wealth, not through side door, back door racketeering schemes. Mm. Just pay the goddamn tutor. Yeah. And in the bargain, your kid might learn some words. But what if the kid doesn't 
want to learn. I mean, one of the things that we saw out well, of this. Well, why don't they want to? I mean, that's the other thing, right? Like, maybe if you had to spend your whole life paying your kids I, way, uh, paying your kids out of, out of difficulties, maybe they would have developed on their own a desire to want to learn things. Right. Uh, one of the things that came out of this that, and I do think that this is a child, basically, so maybe they're getting an unfair shake at this, but Lori Laughlin's daughter, we uncovered videos of her talking about, I really don't care about school that much, I really have no interest in it. There is something to be said for, at a certain level of privilege, you are, you don't necessarily see what the value of getting degrees are. The, uh, money is there. You don't have to work. Your job can be going on Instagram and saying you bought something off of Amazon. Uh, that is, at that point, there is no no desire for a degree. And that's that's something that comes along with wealth, too, is a is a kind of an apathy can develop. The, the, the Post ran an article today. Um, I forget which kid, but one of the kids whose parents were caught up in this scheme, kind of they ran a whole story uh, talking to the kid on his Manhattan stoop, kind of defending his parents. I mean, like, yo, man, I mean, my parents were just doing the right. They were just trying to help me out. That's the like, brother I, of the uh, of one of the kids. In right. This. Yeah. The entire interview, he's smoking a blunt. Yeah. On his stoop. Yeah. OK. I don't have a lot of patience for the parents and the children in this situation. Joe. Hey, he has a mixtape though. Like he's working. Tell me, let's talk a little bit. Cause you know, if you've, if you're a follower of thinking like a lawyer, you know that both Joe and I are sports fans uh, to various degrees and, and to various sports, but we both particularly like college sports. Tell me how this is going down with the college teams. So uh, there are some issues with college teams. It seems as though, uh, well, Stanford has already fired a coach. Uh, it is, not a coach that, you know, it, it, I don't know how many people avidly follow the Stanford sailing team, but the sailing team coach was involved in this. Oh, but let's just back up yeah. and, and, and talk about how the schemes was working for, for athletics. Right? Sure. Okay. So as you might expect, there are different standards for athletes to get into schools than other students. Uh, a lot of times it is not as though you can be completely dumb as a rock and get in. Several athletes have it show some degree of minimum requirement meeting. But there is a process by which the school can look at potential athletes and say, for the sake of getting them into the athletic program, we will relax their scores in this way and whatever, and we will allow something. So scholarship athletes, which are the ones you know of that you follow on signing day and so on, that's a whole different thing. They're getting scholarships, they're being heavily recruited, whatever. But there are also, A, athletics that don't you know, non-revenue generating, non-revenue generating sports, and even even within revenue generating sports, there are systems by which walk-ons get in. Uh, people that the coaching staff says we are not in a position to give this person a scholarship, but we would like to say, hey, if you're willing to pay your own way, we will consider letting you walk on. That's kind of where this came in in those two areas. So there were USC is the school that is the most glaringly screwed by this whole situation. <laughs> Unbelievably so. There were athletic department people on the payroll of this scheme getting upwards of, according to the affidavit that went along with the indictment, upwards of 20 grand a month to be a part of this scheme. What they would do is take some of these rich kids and they would say, this kid could be a water polo kid for us. This kid could be on the be a walk on to track and field. Uh, some of the He's things, a high jumper. Some of the things that were being done to 
facilitate that were photoshopped pictures of the kid's face on real athletes. Uh, there was a five foot five kid who was listed at six one for uh, basketball purposes. I gather uh, there were three people who got in through the football team, apparently. Which, uh, as one Twitter user uh, pointed out. The real tragedy is Clay Helton was probably relying on those kids. Uh, yeah, so people were getting in, the, and the, indeed, Lori Laughlin's situation is that her daughter, they put her on a rowing machine and took a picture and then claimed she was a crew member. And that's how she got into school. One of the negatives that I've been seeing as part of the narrative around this indictment is that it has caused a lot of people to suggest, I saw an article, I think it was on Slate, saying, oh, it's actually college athletics that is the whole problem here and that we shouldn't have different standards for... I just want to push back on that a little bit. And I am a person who cool. did, who was not blessed with athletic talent. But you were until... Until well, sorry. I wasn't blessed with a lot of talent until once it got hard. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Fair enough. I just wanted to set the record straight. Right? Once they started throwing curveballs, that's about where, where my athletic talent ended. Fair enough. But had I been blessed with athletic talent, there is the feeling, right? There is the implication that it would be a blessing from God or Darwin or whoever whoever does such things according to your belief system. Um, and that I would it would just be a God-given talent gifted to me that gave me an unfair advantage over hardworking kids um, who are doing the right thing by take, doing their homework and studying and taking. Yeah. Do you people have any freaking idea how much practice and time and literal yeah. blood, sweat, and tears these student athletes go put into their sports? Yeah. Both, you know, obviously once they get to college, but even at the high school and even sometimes at the middle school level, oh, yeah. honing their skill. This is a significant time suck on their lives. If you have a kid, I mean, let's just take your, your your kind of average, like, you know, co-captain of the high school hockey team. Mm -hmm. That kid is getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. His parents are getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning oh, yeah. to drive him to the ice rink to get his ice time in. Then he's got to go through a full day of school. Then he's got another actual practice probably. after school, probably. He's not getting home until 7.30, where he's got a carbo load before he, like, maybe gets around to his biology homework. Yeah. And if you're going to be that good at your sport, yeah, I think it's okay if you score 20 points less on the goddamn SAT. Yeah. I think that the real – that I think I think there are a lot of real, real stories here. But I think yeah. one of the real stories here is that could we please stop putting so much goddamn focus on these standardized tests – they are not a great measure of merit. They are not objective. They are they are racially biased. And a lot of this is this is happening because you've got parents who think that like, oh, there's some other kid getting an unfair advantage to score higher on a test when really A, the advantage isn't real, and B, it's not unfair. It is not unfair that a student athlete get a little bit of extra consideration for that athletic talent. And the work and the time that it takes to hone that athletic talent mm -hmm. over somebody who doesn't do shit but study. Yeah, I mean, it, I hear that. And, I, and obviously, standardized tests is a controversial subject. I am generally one of those people who thinks that they are 
problematic, but a good idea on paper, something that has execution issues that can always be addressed. But Look at you with your nuance. But, but in this instance, I don't necessarily think that that's a fair issue because these weren't kids who were real study hounds and thought, gosh, it's just so unfair the hockey team gets in. These were kids who can't pass the actual test in the first place <laughs> who were trying to find a way to get all the benefit that the hockey kids do without any of the work. Uh, or actually, I shouldn't say that. They are not kids who tried to do that. They are parents who did that behind the backs of their children. Right. So I don't necessarily think that that's the problem. I think that what we have here is a really sad tale. I'd already talked about the income disparity gap where there's certain kinds of bribery that we consider okay and certain kinds that we don't, which is problematic. I think that you've addressed the athletic issue, which if we do understand that there is a value to privileging certain athletic things, we see the way in which people take advantage of these sorts of loopholes unfairly uh, to the detriment of those kids. I think there's also something sad going on here. Just in the, how do I put this? They, the ways in which people would think to I'm really struggling this. The way in which people would think that letting their children live and face consequences is a problem. Mm, uh, yes, I, I see. What I see. What yeah, you're and like, like that—that's the real thing. And I, I've said before, like I—I I think this podcast we've talked a lot about how I'm one of those people who thinks that all the problems in the world are not the millennials' fault. Uh, I tend to blame the baby boomers, but looking through this indictment, this is where this is where Gen X seems like we've got a problem. Uh, this seems like a uniquely us thing to own uh, because this is the generation of parents who decided in this instance that it wasn't good enough for Sally to go to Arizona State. And okay, I shouldn't, bad example, that pro it probably isn't good enough to go to Arizona State, but not good <laughs> enough for them to go to some other school. Uh, and they had to go to USC, which by the way, you at I mean, it's a fine institution. It is – I mean, I understand the people lying and cheating and stealing to get into Stanford. I get that one. There's one – just, just – <laughs> But USC? Can I just piggyback? There's yeah. one guy in the indictment who was an alumnus of Loyola, and according to the if, – if these allegations are true, basically got himself into a situation of criminal fraud and racketeering for which he will face jail time mm -hmm. to get his kid into Loyola. Yeah. To which I ask, why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, it, it, like, how, like, what world are you living in where Loyola is the thing that's worth committing crimes yeah. for, right? And it goes to your point about, I, I want to piggyback here as yeah. well. Like, part of the problem here is that we live in a society that acts like there are three good colleges. Yes. You know? And there, and there's just not. I look. It's easy for me to say I right. went to one of the three. If if there are only three, I went to one of them. So I understand yeah. that I'm speaking with a little bit of clay feet here. But like, there are more than three good colleges in the country. And for you to think that if your kid doesn't get into one of those one of those three colleges, that their life is over, or it's so stupid. And that how that's how I get back to your fundamental point. That if your kid desperately wants to go to one of the three good colleges and did not have the grades or activities or whatever to get into one of those three good colleges, well, then maybe that's a good lesson for them to learn at some point. Yeah. Maybe a lesson to learn for you that, that your children need to learn at some point is that they don't actually get everything they want just because they want it. Right. Well, and, and that brings us full circle to the thing that we said earlier that 
there's a degree of apathy at a certain wealth level where they've never been pushed and told that they need to do things. Uh, they are, you know, they 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 don't need. Yeah, like th there's no there's nothing that materially they couldn't have, and you know, and and be, I it, remember not being able to afford the Nintendo, right? Yeah. I, if there's this even goes to you know one of my big. Uh, leisure activities is video games. You actually see this a lot in video gaming where like the games today are so much easier than the games of my youth. Like they're, they're literally just easier games. They, they not only because like they mess with the difficulty levels and you can like put it on easy mode if you want to or whatever. But like, if you think of like an old, like if you put like your average, like 12 year old, he plays video games all the time and you put them on like super Mario brothers one, he will yeah. not make it out of the first level and he will like and if he'll he'll end up crying before the end of it. It's so goddamn hard. He'll think the game is broken. I did on a whim throw in the original Legend of Zelda about 6 months ago and I was astounded at how quickly I was dead. Right? Uh, it was it was really amazing. Like basically once you couldn't throw shoot the sword thing when you're you're all full of health, right. once that was gone, you had to kind of hit him exactly right, or you were gone. And I was, I was not ready for that, uh, not ready at all. But uh, yeah, so I get it. But yeah, they, there's there's something that needs to be done uh, about breaking down the educational system where we believe that that's the best you can do. One of the things that uh, uh, to piggyback onto another legal story from the week, but one that kind of got dwarfed by this, we got the official. There were, there were other legal stories this week. We got the official U.S. news rankings, which are oh yeah, which are not different than the ones that we talked about, the leaked ones from the week before. But you know, they're there. But that's one of the things where we got some feedback from it, and I wrote an article about some of the feedback we got, where some people said, "This is stupid." This school's ranked way below this school, but has a higher bar passage rate, yada, yada. And those are all very important things and reasons why our ranking system privileges those things a little bit more. But at the end of the day, they're the, the above the law ranking. The above the law ranking. Coming out probably in May. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Exactly. But it also struck me that, you know, it's not so much the rankings do matter, but they matter in different ways. They matter in showing. All that we can really do as somebody trying to gauge the quality of a young lawyer is understand two things about them, where they got in as a measure of that institution's faith in their skills coming in and how well they did against that cohort. Uh, and that's why I'm one of those people who thinks that if you go to a less than perfect school and are second in your class, that tells us something perhaps even more than somebody who goes to the eighth best school and finishes at towards the bottom. Like you see how they, not just where they are, but also where they do within that cohort. And to that extent, there's a value to the quality of school, but it is not an end all be all. And if you just get into USC and then don't care about school and don't accomplish anything there, that counts too. Uh, and counts in a way where maybe it's probably better off to just not get that initial marker, uh, to take the road less traveled and go to a small place where, or a, or a bigger place that the ASU of the world, which I'm using as my stand-in for a bad school, which I probably is unfair to ASU, but I also don't care. So, <laughs> they, it, so you go there, and then that's then you if you excel against that cohort, then you can go on to do other things. And if you don't, then you don't. But like, we need to stop thinking that you have to go places. Now, in this instance, truly, 
and obviously this is speculation, but it appears as though the argument for the Lori Laughlin kid in particular is that she wanted to be an influencer because we have created a world in which having no no actual skills it's does not mean that you don't don't have a job so long as you can tag things in Instagram. There's some reason to believe my lord. There's some reason to believe that the plot of why they wanted her to go to USC was that it would probably be better for the influencing job to be tied to a brand like USC than actually ASU, which is where they thought she was going to go. So that there adds to the problem, right? Where there actually is a picking, not Harvard, Yale, the schools that we traditionally think of as why there are only three schools, but USC becomes one of those schools when what you're trying to do is build a career of attachment to some lifestyle brand that USC tries to pretend that it is. I want to close uh, with a little with a little lawsuit uh, talk because the yeah, because this is the actual legal ramifications of it, right? So I would just say this to all of our listeners: Dear God, don't sue. You almost certainly do not have a cause of action against anybody involved in these scandals. We've already, I published today, you're reading this next week, so go back and look from what I've already published. There are two Stanford, current Stanford students who are already suing all of the schools and William Singer, who's like the head of the scheme, for devaluing their Stanford degree. These are students who got into Stanford. Stanford was one of the schools involved in the scheme. They got into Stanford, but because Stanford was one of the schools involved in the scheme, they're saying that the scheme itself devalued their Stanford degree. To put it nicely, that is a dumb argument. It's a potential, you could almost understand a, a claim if they hadn't gotten into Stanford or if they hadn't gotten into one of the, you know, implicated schools. But given that they did get into one of the implicated schools, they absolutely have no claim. Even if they had gotten into got in, I, I and I think this is by the time you hear this, we will probably have already seen the lawsuit from kids who didn't get into one of these schools who are suing the school, claiming that their process was rigged and and, and what have you. We have not seen a claim survive along those lines in various cases, and that is because no matter what you might think or no matter what your parents may have told you, you are not deserving. You're not owed a spot anywhere, anywhere, right? Like you have no right to the spot. So suing that your right to the spot was unfairly denied is not a thing. You can sue if you're a protected class, you can sue that you were denied based on discriminatory reasons. That's, that's a thing. But I didn't get in because Felicity Huffman's daughter did get in is not a thing. Please don't sue about it. Because I don't want to write any more stories making fun of you. Yeah, I mean, the problem is you do want to write more of those stories. So, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe your point is that you don't want our listeners to be the ones doing it. But I think you do want more of those stories. Uh, and I mean, uh, there there is something to be said for... Look, it, it's tenuous at best, but there is something to be said for if the admissions process was gamed and marginal candidates didn't get in, like that it is it is unfair to the extent that the university purports certainly unfair. Right, but to the extent the university purports to follow a 
you know, and they're making a, a trade claim, basically, that we follow these practices, and in good faith, if you apply and meet these practices, you would get in. And uh, it's revealed that that is untrue, then that is something of a breach. I see that. I don't think it will go very far, but it is not, it is not the most absurd thing I've ever heard. I mean— there are more, way more absurd cases that I've come across. No, the Stanford suit, the the current yeah. Stanford suit. Well, the Stanford suits by people who actually got in, right? Which, right? I mean, if you got in, then clearly you were not one of the, one of the two women. One of the women is suing, saying that yes, she got into Stanford and she's currently at Stanford, but she also applied to Yale, and she was misled because Yale, she was not aware that Yale's um, admissions practices were a warped rig system as explained through the indictment, to which I have to say to her, like, first of all, if you didn't know that Yale was a little bit warped in its admissions process, maybe you weren't smart enough to get into Yale. Like, that's, it's one of those things where, like, if you have to ask how much that thing costs, you can't afford it, mm. right? So that, that's a, and the second girl, second woman, she's suing USC. Mm -hmm. Again, she's a current Stanford student. She's suing because she applied to USC and she didn't get in. Yeah. Yeah. You got into Stanford. You already won. You won. You won. I understand I'm eating filet mignon, but I really wanted a hamburger. <laughs> I like that's and yeah, yeah. So what we're saying is that the current named plaintiffs are not the best class representatives that one could have. That's fair. They're not the perfect plaintiff. Yeah. Perhaps there should be should be some more searching done before getting in on this. But I mean, I, I assume the lawyers just wanted to be first to file and and own their stake of the inevitable. Good job, lawyers. Yeah, but yeah. So this case. That's is, what I got. Yep, this case is going on. People will go to jail. We barely touched on the inevitable, very likely end of career of a very important lawyer in a, in New York, because uh, Kaplan was running Wilkie Farr and. One would assume, if the if the allegations are true, that that would be a disbarable thing. Yep, he's done. Yeah, so, if the I, yeah, I, if all these things are true, right? And I really haven't heard any of the parents say that they're not so far. I mean, right? The the way in which this works, well, not to get legal again on this legal podcast, but <laughs> uh, the way in which this worked that is so funny is that cooperating witness number one was the person doing all the crime. Right. <laughs> so basically, as opposed to most situations where like low-level people flip and then they get to the kingpin, the actual kingpin is the one who flipped and then the government just rode him <laughs> or her, I suppose, but it seems from the way it's written, CW1 might be a man, rode him to getting every client in the universe. Yeah. So many of them on tape. Yeah. Because he was the guy doing the scheme. Um, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm also just impressed at how, like, you know, cause even on this podcast, I mean, we talk so much about Trump and we talk so much about SDNY and da, da, da. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it made me, uh, part of it is the schadenfreude, but like, it just made me happy to remember that like, there is some part of this country where like laws are still being upheld and like the wheels of justice are still turning and like, it's not all crap, right? Like there's, there, people are still being being caught with for crimes and like we're we're not so distracted by Trump and Manafort and Cohen and whatever that the Justice Department can't still fundamentally work at some level. That, that, that was heartening. Yes, it was heartening to learn that the entire world is not just your head, uh, which is the only place where I think that that 
we were concerned about that. I think the rest of us thought it was all working the whole time anyway. So that's the end of that. So thanks for listening. We You should subscribe, write reviews, all that sort of thing. Be sure to send us, if you're currently thinking about law schools and you're in that process, be sure to send to tips at abovethelaw.com your decision and flag it subject, flag it with decision where you are and what you're thinking. We've already got a few submissions. We'll be able to do a show where we walk through some of the decisions between law schools uh, in the very near future. Uh, but keep sending those in. We are, oh yeah, I'm at Joseph Trees. He's at L-E-N-Y-C. Listen to all the Legal Talk Network offerings, the Jabot and Book Business. Yeah. I just want to put in a quick plug. Um, if you're more interested in my thoughts on the college admission scandal, oh, I have yeah. a very good piece up in The Nation. In, yep. uh, just go search for The Nation, search for my name, or search for a college admission scandal. You should find it. Cool. And uh, with all of those things said, and thanks to our good friends at Smith AI for sponsoring this podcast, I think we have now gotten everything covered. So we will talk again in the near future. Peace. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.